Don't Call Me Girl Boss is about sharing women small business owners' real, unfiltered, and relatable business journeys in Texas and California. I am your host, Jessica Ray Buck, a small business owner myself. I interview amazing women who share exactly how they got to where they are today. I hope this encourages anyone listening to start a business or get better in the business they are in. Hello, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. If this is your first time listening, I have been taking you along my entrepreneurial journey myself. I am in the process of looking at a hair salon, and to be honest, I am not sure if I'm going to be doing it anymore. I hear back from the realtor supposedly tomorrow, and I don't know, I had a big shift in my business plan recently. Um, I can't wait to share more information on that, but right now it's still in the works and still things are going on. So I don't want to share everything yet in case something falls through, but I don't know. I think that's a part of your business journey is things pop up, people come in, ideas change. And that's one of the beauties of being a business owner is when the opportunities arise or the opportunities that you do create you get to decide. No one's telling you what to do, why to do it, or it's really just what you dream up and where you want to go with your business future. So right now I feel like I'm kind of in a limbo. I'm getting really busy with mobile spray tans in Austin and Brea, California. We had our first week last week fully booked and it's been a year since that happened. So it is very exciting for all of these things to be happening at once. I really need to figure out what to do with my spray tanning in Austin, Texas. Do I want to stay mobile? Do I want to hire someone to help me? Do I want to get a salon space? There's just so many things that I need to think about and where I want my business to go. These are all great issues to have. And I'm just excited to keep moving forward and figuring it out. But right now it's kind of a limbo. Um, So that's what's been going on with me. I promise to share more information when more things unravel and are official. Um, But this week I have on Allie and she is at Skin Spirit. She does injections, microneedling, really everything. I literally couldn't even tell you everything she does because when she did tell me, I had no idea what she was talking about. I am not big on injections or Botox or filler or anything like that yet. Um, I have gotten my crow's feet done and I've got my lips done on like Groupon like years and years ago. But um, I love what the results can do. I do believe that they work. I do believe that it's preventative. And um, it is something that as I get older, I will invest more of my time into and money. But Allie just goes in so much depth about everything from, she's actually a nurse. So in certain states, you don't have to be a nurse to do injectables like you do in California, for example. So Texas is a little bit more lenient. So she just goes over all of that information and goes over services and just so many different things. And um, I'm just so excited for you to get you to get to know her. So without further ado, here is Allie. And so where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Austin? Um, I actually grew up in a small town, like an hour and 45 minutes, um, outside of Austin, um, towards like Bastrop and LaGrange. So, um, my hometown is like 2,500 people actually. Really? Yeah. (laughs) 
It's so interesting because that's like something I wish I had because I grew up in like a way bigger city. How was that dynamic? Um, I I really enjoyed it to be honest. Um, I think it uh, allowed me to be involved in a lot of things. Um, you know, sports were really big in a small town, and I played multiple sorts and was in a lot of different groups. Um, and I feel like sometimes in the big city, you kind of have to pick and choose a little bit more, um, you know, what you want to do as far as extracurriculars. So I think it definitely allowed me to be um, very well-rounded um, in what I was doing. Yeah. How many people were in your graduating class? <laughs> 76. Oh my gosh. I think that's smaller. I talked to someone else and I think theirs was a hundred. So you're even smaller. Yeah, very small. But I think the funny thing is, is then people like would be so shocked when I told them how many um, we had invited. I got married um, last December, 2019. um, And our wedding count was like around 800. So basically close to the whole town. (laughs) Really? Like the whole town knew you guys were getting married? Yeah, I think that's just kind of, you know, growing up in a small town, everyone knows everyone. So it's, you know, everyone gets invited to the small town wedding. So did you and your husband grow up together then? Um, We grew up like a town apart. So he um, was from Shiner, Texas, where Shiner bought beer spades. So we were like 15 minutes apart. So pretty close. Um, We actually didn't meet until he was in college. Um, He's a year older than me. So we met my senior year of high school and he actually went to school at A&M and then I went to school at Texas. So it was great. (laughs) And then what did your parents do growing up? Um, My mom worked at the school and my dad is in oil and gas. Okay. I feel like that's a common job is oil and gas out here. Yeah, definitely. It definitely funds a lot of um, small town businesses and the schools. And when you were in high school, what did you think you wanted to be? Um, honestly, I don't think I really knew. I think I kind of got pushed into doing kind of what my mom and what other people kind of told me would be good. Uh, my grandma was a nurse and so she kind of pushed me, um, to go into nursing school. And I just, you know, knew nursing was so broad that, there had to be some part of it that I would enjoy or like find my niche somewhere in it. And I just think there's so many opportunities in nursing as a whole that you can always do something different. So I think that's probably one of the, you know, awesome things about nursing in general. So right out of high school, you knew you wanted to go into nursing. I applied um, to UT um, into their straight into their nursing program. Yes. Wow. That's interesting because I know in Texas, you don't have to be a nurse to do injections, right? Um, not technically, but um, the medical board is pushing towards making that um, basically a law. So it, I have a feeling in the next few years that we'll definitely get to that point. Would that take a lot of people out of business? Um. I don't know if it'll take a lot of people out of business as much as they will just crack down on the compliance of making sure you have, you know, mid-levels basically in the office and then delegating, you can delegate to a nurse then, but then that would kick definitely estheticians out of um, injecting. That's crazy. Cause like, what are you supposed to do? You're full on in your career. And then let me just go back to nursing school. Like that's not an easy program. 
Yeah, I feel like it'll almost be one of those things where you're kind of like you were either grandfathered into it. And so if you already, you know, have been doing it, it's not really going to affect you. But, you know, people moving forward, um, it would affect in the future. And that's kind of why I chose to do NP school, um, just because it gives me, um, you know, more of an basically sets me apart um, as far as from a compliance standpoint of, you know, having to have, you know, if you are in a med spa, um, compliance-wise, a mid-level is supposed to be in the building at all times. So that's cool. Cause that's how California is. I remember just hearing like, oh yeah, not everyone's licensed here or a nurse here. And I'm like, what? And like, yeah, yeah, you know, make sure you really do your research on who you go to because of that. Yeah, definitely. And I was like, wow, this really is the wild, wild west. (laughs) So how was um, nursing school and how did you choose to go to that program? Um, I mean, my family is, uh, has always been big longhorns. My sister went to UT. She's five years older than me. My mom went to UT. Um, And it is one of the like top rated nursing programs. Um, So yeah, I mean, definitely wasn't easy. Um, but hang on, I'm going to pause for a second. Okay. If that's okay. Yeah. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Do I still sound loud enough? Yeah. Okay. The headphones is making me like hear you weird. So I'm just going to turn, take them off and just talk normally. Yeah. You sound fine. I felt like I was like echoing and I could like hear myself talk. And so it was making it like weird. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Okay. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, I basically had to apply to UT and then, um, internal transfer once I was there into like the pre-nursing program. And then the post-nursing was another application process. Um, and so my four years there, I got my BSN. Um, and then after that, I worked for, um, I guess, two years um, in the OR. And then like maybe an, a year, year and a half after um, I graduated, I went ahead and reapplied uh, to um, NP school. So I will finish my um, nurse practitioners in May of this year. And what's the difference between the two? So um, I have my BSN, which is basically like a four-year degree. And then now I will have my um, like graduate, so master's degree in nursing. Um, and it will be in family, um, specializing in family nurse practitioners. So I can continue to do injectables with that. Um, and aesthetics and I you know have the background to go and if I ever wanted to do like family um, primary care I could that's great is was it like hard because you have to do it after work or has it been an easy so I chose because of course I would have loved to do my graduate program at UT um, but they don't have an online program so I was looking for part-time online programs because I wanted to stay working um, and not have to completely stop working to go back to school. So um, I applied to UT Galveston and then AM Corpus um, and got into both and ended up doing AM's program just because it was a little bit um, easier to work with with my work schedule at the time. So it took me a little bit longer just because it was part time, but 
Um, I'm glad I stayed working because I think it's definitely, um, it's kind of how I got into injections. Um, and, you know, I'm building myself basically now um, before I even had my nurse practitioners. So, yeah. How did you even choose to get into aesthetics? Because you were in the OR and then how did that happen? Yeah. So um, I was in the OR and I worked with probably about 17 different plastic surgeons here in Austin. Um, you know, face, body. Um, we even did some small like ortho stuff. And I even did even stuff with like babies and kids. So it was kind of a kind of all over the place. But I think that kind of helped me, you know, open the door towards aesthetics and you know how big of a you know thing it was and how broad it was and how many different directions you could take it. Um, I always knew I was gonna go back to school. Um, and get my master's, you know, not necessarily knowing where I would specialize or what I would do with it, but, um, there's not really like an NP role in the OR. Um, so I knew that maybe injecting would be kind of where I would, um, differentiate myself. And so to kind of get my feet wet in it now and see if I actually really liked it, um, basically before getting out and then having no experience in it. Definitely. That makes sense. And you were a cheerleader at UT. How was that experience? I feel like you lived the life that I thought I would live because I never went to college. I'm actually going back right now and just doing super part-time because I have my son full-time too. But um, you lived like that whole full-on college experience. What was that like? Honestly, it was probably the best four years of my life. Um, I definitely... I miss it. Um, <laughs> it wasn't easy by any means, you know, juggling nursing and cheer was definitely a lot. Um, you know, some of my best friends, you know, there definitely were weekends where, you know, I didn't get to go to all the date events or, you know, stuff like that. Cause I had to study, but I think I did a pretty okay job of juggling the two. Um, and I wouldn't like change it for the world. Um, I met some of my best friends through cheer um, so yeah, it was definitely probably one of my most, um, I would say glory days or something like that. Cause I, you know, it was probably one of the best four years of my life for sure. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that about college and it's not so much, yeah, you get a degree, but some people don't even do what they get with their degree. It's more about the experience and the lifelong friends you make. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so you got into aesthetics where did you start at? Did you like quit your job and are like, I'm going to go straight into aesthetics and you found a place? So I actually took a course, um, just like a general Botox and filler course through, um, like a medical aesthetic society. Um, I think in San Antonio and I was still working in the OR at this time. Um, but one of my friends was about to finish with her, um, NP degree. And, you know, we were both kind of thinking about doing the same things. We're like, Hey, let's go take this course together. Um, you know, obviously our own money, our own time. Um, and so that's kind of like what I first did introductory wise. Um, and then I ended up finding a job, um, the job I was working at previously before skin spirit, um, with an oculofacial plastic surgeon. And so, um, once I started working there, um, I was obviously working, you know, with him for him. And I also, you know, started basically doing injectables, um, as well, but it was, you know, only a small part of what I was doing, um, previously. 
And then what made you want to leave that place and go to Skin Spirit? Honestly, just so I could kind of grow um, individually as a provider. Um, but I, you know, think all of my experiences leading up to what I do now um, definitely helped allow me to be very well-rounded um, and basically prepare me a little bit um, for kind of any situations. You know, I've seen the surgical side versus the non-surgical side. So I have an understanding of basically what I can do and what I can't do um, as far as helping people. Um, but before I was, you know, my own provider, but I was also still um, his nurse and seeing his patients um, doing cases. So my time for, you know, my self growth was very little. Um, and it was kind of hard to really juggle the two um, between his patients and my patients. And being a new injector isn't easy as well as trying to, you know, grow on social media. So um, that was my reason for um, joining Skin Spirit. And how does Skin Spirit works? I know Lindsay's kind of mentioned it to me before, but um, you're not renting the room. It's just like commission-based. Is that how it is? So we, I'm a full-time employee with them. Um, we don't rent the room. Um, I have like a base salary basically. And then my oh, commission okay. is based off of um, like a threshold that I have to meet like yeah. hourly. So if I meet that hourly, I get bonus. If I don't, I don't get bonus or commission-based. Okay. That's kind of nice. I mean, yeah, there's pressure there, but it's like, okay, if I don't bring in any clients, it's not like you're not going to get paid. Right. But and you know, it's most people don't like think that way. So, <laughs> <laughs> Has it been stressful or do you feel pretty comfortable with like building your clients? And was this like the right step for you? Um, I definitely think so. I mean, I think any new job is stressful in any situation. Um, I knew it was going to take a, a bit of time just moving and still being considered new um, as an injector. You know, I've really only been doing this for, you know, two years um, and just moving from, and I wasn't doing it full time before either. Um, but Skin Spirit has a great brand. They have a great name behind them. So um, I can tell that that's definitely helped um, as far as getting people in the door for me. Um, I'm just that type of person where I, you know, I'm kind of all gas, no brakes all the time. So I'm constantly like the wheels are always turning in my head of, you know, what more I can do. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, things are definitely happening really, you know, quickly. My books are filling. Um, so it's been good. Um, and you know, I think the biggest thing is just to remember that you got to keep grinding. So, yeah, well, it sounds like you're doing good. And I know working with Thea, can you kind of explain like that um, collaboration and why you think that's beneficial for someone who, if people aren't listening, Thea um, is an influencer on social media in Austin. I think she has, how many followers does she have? Do you know? Like 10 uh, I think so. I don't know off the top of my head, but Either probably around there. Yeah. Um, she actually reached out to me before I even like by happenstance before I even like joined skin spirit, um, you know, from another word of mouth, um, referral and asked if I wanted to do a collaboration and, you know, was really interested in working with someone who she, you know, she felt that kind of had the same impression of, you know, injectables and aesthetics and beauty and wellness as she did and kind of fit her mindset. 
Um, and I think that's really important on, you know, social media and finding people to work with that kind of have the same views as you and can kind of help um, show you or like voice, you know, what you do and how you do it um, and bring in their, you know, their vibes and stuff like that too. And working with someone that, you know, I think she was really, um, when she talked to me, she was really like um, stressed working with someone who was, you know, did really natural results and, you know, stuff like that. And so I think that's kind of how we meshed really well. And that was her following. So that's what, you know, she really wanted to make sure, you know, we did. And that was really important to her. Yeah, no, I agree. Thea is amazing. She's one of my favorite people to work with out here just because I don't, I just think she's a really good person, but how do you think, how do you, how important do you think it is to work with someone like that? So if like another business owner is listening or is a service provider, why is that so important? And like, what validation does that give you? Um, I think it's important as far as, you know, just getting your name out there um, and your image out there as far as, you know, Austin, you know, is big, but it's also very small. Um, if there's anything I've learned with, you know, the jobs I've had is um, they've opened up a lot of opportunities for me and, you know, helped me make a lot of connections um, and I think that's all, you know, what it is, is networking and word of mouth and, you know, oh yeah, I know her, I know this person because it all, you know, it's a very small world at the end of the day. Um, I think you just have to be careful about, um, you know, not giving yourself away for free for everything though, if that makes sense. Um, and still valuing your time um, because there are people, you know, not the, uh, by any chance that, you know, do just kind of want a free service too. Um, so I think you have to really pick the people that, you know, um, are gonna, you know, help and, you know, have mutual goals and realistic expectations and value your work, your service, um, and exchange, you know, what do you recommend just doing services for free or do you recommend more of like a 50%? Honestly, I don't really have like a strict policy. Um, I kind of do it organically. Skin Spirit definitely has like, you know, things in place for that, but I feel it's worked better when I kind of organically reach out to people um, and we kind of mutually agree on something. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you just have to decide like there's some people that, um, you know, in exchange for free service, you know, it works out well and some people it doesn't. Um, I think you just have to find the right people. And I'm usually like pretty good at kind of reading which people are going to, you know, it's going to be a good, you know, connect, um, collaboration or not. So I think it's just kind of one of those things that you have to kind of decide as a owner or provider. Yeah, I agree. Like my spray tan service is a cheap service. It's like 50 bucks, you know? So your service is a lot more money. So it's kind of like, you have to really gauge that. I mean, you were behind skin spirit, so it's not coming out of your pocket, but I don't know how it works, but you know, you don't, yeah, I mean, you have to value your time because you have to think of the time that they're taking that, you know, another paying customer, um, you know, could be using plus you're not, you know, making anything to make, you know, your commission that hour. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that all, and then the cost of the product itself. Um, so you have all those three factors to kind of weigh when you take on things like that. But when you're new and when you're starting and you're trying to get, you know, people in the door, um, you know, sometimes you kind of have to do stuff like that. And, you know, it all, 
it all evens out in the end. If you, you know, work with the right people. Yeah, I agree. Um, so how have you grown your social media following? Did your college experience kind of help with building that clientele? Um, I actually have two separate accounts. So sometimes I wonder if I should have, should have done that. Cause I don't like, you know, having two accounts, but, um, when I started at my previous job, he was like, you need to make a separate account, um, for your business page. And so they are actually two separate accounts. Um, so I don't think all of my, you know, college experience really followed over some of it maybe. Um, but really just, you know, other people, word of mouth, um, those kind of things. And, you know, I've been really big on trying to grow organically, which is hard, <laughs> um, you know, but in the end, it um, definitely, you know, helps or benefits you in the, in the long run, um, you know, as far as making, you know, actual relationships with people and seeing interactions, you know, someone that has like 60K thousand followers, but only, you know, 200 likes and 10 comments, you know, there's, you know, those aren't all real followers. So yeah, I agree with that. You definitely <laughs> want to look into your influencers because, you know, brands look at them, you know, they don't do it in like a mean way. It just, you know, it's business. Like they make more money. It's just because brands aren't that smart yet. And I'm talking about right. like brands, you know, not like, so they're like, Oh, you know, you have 60 K versus 40 K <clears throat> you're going to get a lot more money. Yeah. And so you say you have two accounts and you're not sure about that. Like why, what are your recommendations on that? Um, just because I feel like I thought my, you know, business account had to be like always, you know, business related, but I feel like now people like actually, you know, really want to get to know you as a person on a personal level, um, and like have a glimpse into your day-to-day -day life. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to post everything, you know, personalized on there, but I think, you know, I do post a lot more of like, uh, my family or, you know, what I'm doing, my husband or my dog on my business account as well. Cause I think it gives a better glimpse of me and who I am versus just my before and afters, if that makes sense. And I feel like you develop better relationships when people feel like they actually know you or they can connect with you on some level. I agree with that. It just, I feel like it's such a hard line to know what to share personal and what to keep business and how much, like, is it 50, 50? I think more of it's like 70, 30, but right. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, there's stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like a line of, you know, like, you know, what, what you share, what you don't share and like, is, you know, and that, that's another thing with the medical field too. And why I think most people do keep them separate, um, just for, you know, that reason of, you know, being in the medical field and HIPAA and those kind of things. Um, but at, I, I mean, at the end of the day on either account, I wouldn't be posting things that I feel would, you know, shed me in a bad light. So, and do you mention your business account on your personal, like what's your, do you have like linked in your bio? Yeah, I do. I have both of them linked and both of my bios both ways. So they both are, um, like my personal one is private. Um, but I have like it linked there. And then even on my business one, my personal one um, is in my bio and you'll post on your personal, like, Hey friends, don't forget to follow my business page type thing. Yeah. I did a lot probably when I first, um, like started my business account, like I would do stories on both. And so that way they would kind of cross reference 
I honestly don't post a lot of stories on my personal anymore. Um, I tend to be on my business a lot more. Okay. Yeah. I know some people it's hard. I have my sister-in-law who she asks me, like, should I have just my pages together? But then, you know, she'll post on her personal page, like that app where like it made your husband look like a girl, <laughs> you know, like, just yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, you can't post that in your feed if you're going to combine them. So I just think you need to be like really diligent about if you did combine them, making it more like a 70, 30, 70% business, 30% personal right? kids. So it's hard. It's like, you want to post your kid every two seconds. That's, that's true too. Yeah. So, um, what tips would you give to someone who was trying to build their social media following? Like, what have you seen success with? Um, honestly, probably like from the start, figuring out like what your platform is, what your, you know, what your theme is, what you're like, what you're really trying to like portray. I feel like if you go back and look at like where my feed first started compared to where it's at now, it's just like random and all over the place. Um, and you know, I have a couple of friends that are in, you know, social media market managing and you know, she told me that as well as like, you have to figure out like what, what, you, who are you? What are you trying to like, how, what's your brand? And I, so I think if you can figure that out from the beginning, you will see a lot more engagement. Um, and as well as like following from the get go. Um, Cause I can definitely tell now that my page kind of has more of like a, a theme or it just kind of flows better that things are doing better versus when it was just random. Also, I felt like, you know, not just selling. Like, I feel like when you try to just come off as you're just selling, it doesn't do as well either. People want to get to know you first before they just want to see like what ads you're posting about what discount you have or something like that. And I feel like that's probably kind of where I started. It was like, oh, we're offering two for one or this and that. And you can definitely see a difference in, you know, how that's, how I've kind of changed that and, you know, how it's done better, not coming off that way. And what are you doing now? I know you create like infographics. So is your philosophy or I guess whatever term that you would use for that, but to kind of educate clients and get to know you. Yeah, I do a mixture of both. Like I try to mix up like, you know, before and afters. And then I, cause you know, people, a lot of times when they they'll call like the front girls, they'll be like, Oh, you can go look at her Instagram. And so they're going there to look at, you know, before and afters of my work. So you definitely want to have those on there. And I try to break it up with like, sometimes just little, like, you know, random little quotes or sayings, um, you know, about, you know, women and, you know, leadership or women and business and those kind of things. Um, and then I'll also do like an educational post every now and then rather that be on like skincare or, um, injectables, um, other, you know, services we do, um, or just education in general about like health. Um, I try to like, kind of keep in like broad variety between like aesthetics as well as like health and wellness too. Yeah. That makes sense. It all goes kind of hand in hand and that's what you want to represent. Like, Hey, I'm also behind health. And you said natural aesthetics with Thea. So that seems like you're not trying to do like huge lips or bring those type of people, which is totally fine. It's just maybe not like the look you're going for. Yeah, exactly. And do you do all of your own graphics? 
Yeah, for the most part I do. I mean, I do most of them on Canva. Definitely like sometimes Skin Spirit will have stuff that I'll repost, but most of the stuff um, I create on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Canva is a great tool. You can literally become a graphic designer yourself and their templates are amazing. They are. It just takes so much time. (laughs) Well, especially when you're doing like the small text of education and you're going to school still and working. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I sometimes can sit on there for like two hours designing one thing at like 10 o'clock at night and it'll be like midnight. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been working on this graphic for two hours and my eyes hurt. (laughs) How do you, um, do you like batch out your content beforehand or are you kind of just on the fly? So I kind of go back and forth. I was kind of like doing like, you know, using the app to like plan it all out. Um, but I did that maybe for like two weeks and then I've gone back to just kind of doing it on the fly. It's so hard to it, keep up with it. Yeah. It goes in waves for sure. Yeah. I've been on a good wave, but yeah, but it gives me anxiety if I don't have it kind of planned out because mm-hmm. it's back in my mind. Like I need, what am I going to post today? Like, I don't know. Yeah, totally. Um, and then I saw you create TikToks. How is your experience with that? I personally cannot, like I'm a goober. There's just no way. And you do a really good job at it. So I'm just curious why you think that's beneficial and how you get good at that. (laughs) So TikTok, honestly, like it's not my like comfort zone at all. I actually had a girl, um, that was helping me for a little while. Um, she's actually a cheerleader at UT now. And so she was coming in, um, and just filming for me. Um, and creating them so she'd come in for like an hour and because I was like I don't have the time to like like Instagram is like hard enough for me I don't have the time to look up like what's trending what's videos and so she would kind of like come up with things and then I tried to put like a spin on it I've honestly haven't posted in a while on there um, and the reason I started was because it was a new platform um, and it's just random like there's no real algorithm so I feel like it's you can get, you know, basically seen on there a lot easier than Instagram, um, trying to fight that algorithm. I will say, I don't think it's much of as like an ROI as Instagram. However, I have had people be like, oh, I saw you on TikTok. And so it drives people to my Instagram. So I kind of think of TikTok as just like another platform, but more of like a fun platform. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm honestly like my husband makes fun of me. He says mine are all dumb and I look retarded in them. So it's, it's really not my like thing, to be honest, I kind of have to force myself to do them, but I think it is another avenue for people to use as a platform. Um, cause Instagram is so saturated and like hard to like make yourself visible, you know, being new without 10 K followers, you know? I know it is really difficult, but it's also difficult to be on so many platforms. It's it just, is. And to post consistently on both. It's, it's insane. Well, now there's clubhouse, which is like, I can't, <laughs> well, I, I haven't even, I don't even know about that one. <laughs> I don't want to know. It's basically, you have to get like invited in. It's kind of like how Facebook was in the beginning. And it's basically like, think if you were to go to a conference and there was like, or you were to go to South by Southwest and there was like virtual rooms they basically you can jump in a room and it's people talking. So it's just different rooms of different topics, basically. Gotcha. It's like mini podcasts. So like educational okay. stuff is, I guess, a good yeah. way to explain it, but yeah, it's just, 
I'm not going to sit there. Like I'm already doing so many things. There's just no way, but I think I like TikTok too. I think the music like makes things. So sometimes, and TikTok's really easy to use. Like I haven't really figured out reels on Instagram, but I would use TikTok and then just repost it like as a reel um, to use on my Instagram because it was really easy to just throw videos in and add an effect and add music. And like TikTok would create it really easy and quick for me versus like using some other apps. So, and even sometimes I wouldn't post them to my like TikTok, um, but I would use that then as like a video on my Instagram. So it was kind of like a good like app basically for me to do editing on as well. Well, it's a good way to also show your personality that, Hey, she is funny. She isn't just this, like, I don't know, stuff, which is definitely not the vibe I would ever get for you. But like, I guess if you were just to think of the nurse title, maybe like that's something that people would think. Yeah, I try to like post on there. Like I honestly enjoy posting my dog on my TikTok and then like stuff with my, you know, husband and stuff like that or like nurse jokes and stuff like, because those are the ones that like I laugh at when I'm scrolling on TikTok. Um, So, and I, it's hard because like a lot of times I want to do more like educational or informational ones about like me injecting or me doing this. But I feel like when I'm scrolling, the ones that I, I enjoy more are just like the kind of like humor ones. So I try to like play a little both. Yeah, definitely. Well, you also want to think about what your consumer wants to see too. Right. And like, I don't know anything about, I got my first Botox last year, like where my crow's feet are. I got my lips done. Like <laughs> you're going to laugh like through Groupon, like years ago. I was so young. Oh, <laughs> They actually did a really good job. Thank God. But yeah, I'm sure there's a horror stories. <laughs> Definitely. What is your favorite thing about doing injections? Um, I guess it would be just like, I mean, people's reactions. I think that there's such a stigma behind injections and like a myth or like ideation that you, it's like going to make you like look crazy or in plastic. And like, it's really doesn't like the people that look that way either went to the wrong person or they're doing too much and their injector wouldn't tell them no. And like injecting is all about like accentuating little attributes and of yourself. Um, it's almost like makeup, like you're doing things to basically, um, you know, accentuate what you already have. You don't have to change someone's whole face. Um, and you really can't with injectables, like it's just not enough. Um, so I think that I, the biggest thing is like trying to break this stigma of a frozen face and botched lips and alien cheeks. Well, there was the show that came out with Nicole Kidman recently. Did you watch that? It Mm -mm. was a murder and basically her face stayed still the whole time. And she looked like she was 30 and I was watching it with my boyfriend and he was like, wow, she looks so good. She takes such a good care of herself. I'm like, that's not what that is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The guys really think that I'm like, no, like she has work done like complete. Like she doesn't, her face doesn't move. Yeah. And then they're the first ones to tell you like not to get lip filler or Botox. Yeah. Yet those are the people that they're like, oh, they look so great. <laughs> yeah. He literally said, I was like, you get so mad when I get Botox or my lips done, but then you're like, wow, she really looks great. I'm like, this is not, this is why there's a stigma. Yeah, totally. Um, so, so say someone comes in, they're like, I just want to be prettier. Cause I know there's so many things that like, I don't even know about what would you tell a client? 
I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, there's so many things to like start with. And I think it goes, I mean, define, define pretty to them because my pretty and your pretty can be two different things, you know, and there may, may be like something going on in their life at the time that really doesn't have to do with injectables or anything like that, that they just need someone to kind of, I mean, I, I talk, you know, more than anything with a lot of my clients and get to know them. So I think, you know, getting to know them on a personal level and like, okay, well, what, why do you feel like you're not pretty or what would make you feel prettier? Because it's different for everybody. And it can be as simple as, you know, you know, helping them with acne or helping them with um, an asymmetry they have or a scar they got as a kid um, with microneedling or with skincare. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, Botox and lips. So I think, um, you know, really just talking with your client and actually getting to know them on a personal level. Yeah. I just feel like you must see so many, hear so many things and so many insecurities because it's a very vulnerable thing. And you see, like, I remember seeing like, um, I think derm nurse maybe posted it and it was like Angelina Jolie, like her before and after. And like the things that she got done, I would never even think in my life to get. So do mm-hmm. you think like something injectors telling her like, Hey, you need to get this, this, and this to look good. Or how does that work? Um, I mean, I think that we, like, most of us try to, like, ask them, you know, first, like, what, what bothers them and start there. Um, Because a lot of times, like, what they come in for is not what we actually end up doing to, like, help the the area. Like, for instance, a lot of times people come in and are like, because they look at themselves from, like, 2D always and not from, like, a side profile. And, like, one of the biggest things was, like, oh, my nasal labial folds, you know, for most women. And I can tell you, I probably only feel nasolabial folds like 40 to 50% of the time on people. And that used to be like the most common area that you inject at first. Um, but that area is not like the, the area to, even that's what they're seeing. The cause of that is not the folds there. It's usually a mid-face volume loss. And so our deficit there. So we're starting with cheeks instead. So it's really just educating your clients or your patients on like why that's happening. Um, Genetics, age, fat loss, bone loss that all occurs, Um, skin laxity. Like there's a multitude of things anatomic wise. Um, So it's a lot of education, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds overwhelming. Like if I were to go into you, I asked that question, like make me prettier because I was like, okay, what is something I would go in and legitimately ask her? And I'd be like, okay, well, what do you think I need done? Yeah, no, people do definitely do that. And, you know, um, you know, what, what would you recommend? And so it's always, you know, start slow, start with the most like basic things. And like, I am like a huge like advocate for if I'm going to do a laser treatment on you or a microneedling session or, you know, a high dollar um, old therapy or, you know, stuff like that, or even like lip filler, like if you're not doing the basics of skincare, then you're not even protecting your investment. So like start from like the lowest on the totem pole of things you can be doing, retinol, sunscreen, vitamin C, um, and then, you know, work your way up as far as the, like the anti-aging totem pole goes, because otherwise you're like skipping the foundation layer, basically. That's a good topic. So what products do you recommend for someone who's maybe like me, like, Hey, I've gotten Botox once. Like, I don't know. Like, what would you say? You would say vitamin C. 
everyone and like any derm's gonna like that's what they're gonna recommend as well as like the the big three are gonna be a sunscreen is huge and most people don't realize you need to be wearing like sunscreen even when you're inside sitting beside a window or looking at your computer a lot of sunscreens now actually protect against like blue light um free radical damage those kind of things pollution um so sunscreen's huge um and then a vitamin c and a retinol retinol is really kind of like your all in one, everyone needs to be on one. And then on that same level, finding like there's so many skincare lines, it's like overwhelming. So it's just, you know, talking to someone about like your actual skincare issues and then spending your money on things that are actually gonna do something for you versus all the stuff that's, you know, promoted. And there's things you can definitely skimp on. And, you know, Thea's kind of posted some stuff on her page of things I've been like skimp on this splurge on this you don't need a million products but you do need like three to four like quality products in your regimen what are your go-tos as far as like um types or as far as like skincare lines skincare lines like you said your top three so like what are your top three vitamin c retinol and sunscreen you would use yeah so retinol is gonna be probably um skin better's line they make a great retinol called Alpha Ret. Um, they were kind of genius and came up with like a formulation that allowed them to have um, the same percentage as um, Retin-A, um, which is like the highest, um, basically, because you have like, this is going to get kind of sciencey on you, but um, retinoids is like a gen- general term of all of them. And then you have like retinol, retinaldehyde, and then retin-A. So the ones that you can get at the drugstore, they all have to convert into retin-A. So they are not going to be as strong um, as retin-A that you get prescription grade um, sent in. So Skin Better came up with a way of getting a prescription grade. It comes out to like a 0.05% with two lactic acids or like your AHAs um, combo to give you a retinol, basically an anti-aging cream that you can use without having the downtime typically that most people see with retin-A's, which is the dryness, the redness and the flakiness. Mm -hmm. So they are like my all-time favorite recommend for everyone, retinol. Um, Vitamin C, I like SkinCeuticals. They're known for their CE Ferulic Um, and then Skin Better's Alto as well. Um, Sunscreens, I like a lot of them. Skin Better has some good ones. Um, color Science, Revision. Um, but yeah, I would say your retinol and your antioxidant are kind of, or your vitamin C and your antioxidant are kind of like a big two as far as um, products to kind of splurge on. Yeah, that. thank you for that advice. I was taking notes while you were saying that. <laughs> That's why I was looking down. Um, so what services do you offer? I feel like I don't even know because there's so many because you're an injector, but then you talked about micro needling. Yeah. So, I mean, injections, a big part of it, you know, we do filler, um, Botox Disport, which is just another neuromodulator like Botox. Um, we do Kybella, um, which is the acid that's injected for like, um, the submental area, the jawline, um, basically to help with double chin or jowls for fat. Um, Sculptra, which is another like collagen stimulator. Um, so Sculptra and filler are different in the sense that filler is like an immediate effect of volume, um, that uses hyaluronic acid, which is something that's, you know, naturally in our body. 
Um, and then Sculptra um, basically is kind of, it's not really like a permanent filler, but it's not going to give you the immediate effect that you get with like Voluma or Juvederm. And it works to like build your own collagen over time. Mm -hmm. So it's really great for like um, areas like people that have like a lot of volume loss in the face. Um, or you can use it even on the body, like sculpture butt lifts, and you have to use quite a bit of it. So it can be like cost prohibitive. Um, but that is something you can use it for even like crepiness in the neck and on the chest. Um, we do IPL, um, our photo facials for sun damage, rosacea, um, facial veins, our little small facial veins, um, resurfacing lasers. Old therapy is like ultrasound technology, which is basically termed like a non-surgical facelift. So another device. Um, and I would say that's the microneedling. That's mostly like the big things I do for the most part, skincare, um, you know, people that have acne issues, melasma. Um, we have a peel for that, a chemical peel. Um, and then we also offer like cool sculpting and, you know, that stuff as well. I feel like there's so many things you have to know. Is it overwhelming to you? Definitely. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. Like I was like, I need to write down everything that they do because you sound super educated. You know, like you sound great talking about it. Um, I'm impressed. It's just, holy crap. Like I just, how do you memorize all these things? I think that's probably like the biggest probably question I get to from other people that are nurses or trying to break into aesthetics is like, how do you break into it? And it's, it's the thing is, is there's no like degree for aesthetic nursing or there's no like certification really that makes you like, yes, I have a certification of, on Botox and dermal fillers, but that's not where I learned like what I know now. Like most of it was on the job with trainings that were provided by the filler and Botox companies, the device reps. Um, and yeah, basically just hands-on on the job, like, and taking my own time to, you know, for books, for trainings, my own money on webinars. And I think that's the biggest thing with aesthetics is that it's changing so frequently, like stuff they were doing two years ago, we don't do anymore because of safety or for this or for that. And so it's just like, it can be over. It's like so much education to take in, um, an anatomy that I, that I'm not learning through my FNP courses, obviously for family nurse practitioner. Um, yes, I have the medical background, um, but it's a whole new, whole new world. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sound great and you seem like you're doing a great job. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. that. I thought spray, spray tanning is like a little bit of science and I get overwhelmed with it, but I'm like, holy shit, I need to never complain. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you see your career going like a few years from now? Would you ever want to be on your own or do you always see yourself in a clinic? Um, I don't think I want to be on my own just, just yet anytime soon. It's a lot of, it's a lot of overhead definitely to run a med spa um, and I like having, you know, team to help, you know, with things, with questions. I think that was the biggest thing. Probably I missed um, being a new injector at my old place. You know, it was just me um, and the doctor. So I didn't always feel as like comfortable, like asking questions all the time. And it's like, now I have people that are, you know, on the same level as me and be like, Hey, what would you do in this instance? Or 
what would you do with this or how would you treat this? Um, Cause that's really helpful to have people that you feel comfortable with um, sharing things or sharing side effects or adverse effects and you know what happens if this happens and um because we're all learning at the same time and you know I'm also a part of a lot of like panels and aesthetic nurse you know groups on Facebook and stuff and um it helps to be in contact with people that are you know helpful and you know have had more experience than you as well to share their ideas and things that you know they did in their career early on that they do differently now has the community that you're in been pretty welcoming and pretty helpful? Honestly, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's definitely, you know, I feel like the hardest thing is just trying to differentiate yourself from everybody else. Um, but I feel like for the most part, the people I've worked with and I've networked with have all been really like open and genuinely like sharing of their, you know, techniques or willing to help each other and I think that's great like I think it's important to post and to talk about you know things that go wrong and it helps educate all of us um, in the long run and keep our patients safe well with the amount of people moving to Austin you guys will all have enough clients (laughs) hopefully yes there will be plenty well where can everyone follow you on social media um, you can follow me at, at aesthetic nurse alley. Um, that's my Instagram. And then I also have my TikTok is under that as well. Um, and then my, I also have a Facebook account, but most of my stuff just, you know, transfers over from Instagram. So Instagram is probably where I post the most. Um, and then you can go online also to book with me at skinspirit.com. Um, I do have online booking set up there as well. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this information. I learned a lot about skin and just the field that you're in and honestly, a newfound respect for it. Not that I never did, but just the knowledge you have to know, like I've never even gotten into this space and just props to you. And just even for pursuing your master's and getting all of that education, because you don't, you really didn't have to. So you're really going the extra mile and I'm sure that's going to show in your business. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, um, Glad to get to know you a little bit better as well. Yeah, I will definitely be in. I'm nervous, but I will. Yeah, come in anytime, (laughs) girl. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll talk soon and have a great night. And thank you again for coming on. You too. Okay, bye. Again, thank you for listening to Don't Call Me Girl Boss. The best way to support this podcast is by liking and subscribing and leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Instagram at Don't Call Me Girl Boss. There is a new episode every Sunday, usually in the afternoon or at night. Thank you again for listening.